I mean, it's an interesting fact, but it almost kind of sounds like an urban legend. But um, according to the book Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, the day Stan Lee was hired was the day that Captain America number one rolled off the printing press. Really? Yeah. Welcome back to the Hateful Geeks. Um, anyway, um, this is a mini episode that we decided to do. Um, you true believers out there, as Stan Lee liked to say, which is really, really hard to say in the past tense. Right. It makes me real sad um, because of, you know, baby moving, job promotion. And as we are recording this, it is the night before Thanksgiving. So busy as fuck. Right. We have all <laughs> been busy as fuck. So we and appreciate. We, yeah. We appreciate your patience with us, honestly. And it was hard to do this episode. I'll, I'll come out and say it. How do, how do we talk about Stan Lee? I mean, like we've, he's been a part of my life. I'm sure your life since God. Since I discovered comics. Since, yeah. We knew like, what comics were. <laughs> right. And like like I said, it's real hard to talk about him in the past tense. It is. And it's kind of, I mean, we just wanted to take a break and then at the same time, like do a little retrospective of Stan Lee. Yeah. I mean, he, granted, he was 95. Right. So he's had a long, good life. Um, he recently lost his wife as well. Yeah, it was last year. Last year. So, and you know, as the saying goes, when you lose your partner in life, Usually they're not far behind. Right. Sad to say. I mean, like you said, since you were, since we knew comics, you knew who Stan Lee was. Um, Stan Lee was at the beginning of Marvel when it wasn't even Marvel yet. It was something uh, it was else. A, it was a, a timely and then Atlas and then Marvel. Right. So like he was. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I remember there. You know, there's a Spider-Man game, and I played the audio for you like yeah. just a few minutes ago, where he narrates. N- narrates. Whoa, man! I'm good with my words. He narrates the. Um, I was going to say something, but this is not the, the kind of episode. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he narrates the video game, and he begins with "Welcome, true believers." That's as good as I can get in his old man voice. Yeah, no one could be Stan. No, you don't have to try. It's okay. No, yeah, no. But what I was going to say. Um, and you kind of segued into it without knowing you segued into it. As I do. As well, I yeah, do. as you said, Nawaita, <laughs> Um it reminded me of The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. Mowage. Mowage. Which we yeah. also lost him as well. William Goldman. Yeah. I, what the fuck? Two two people in a matter of, what, I, three days? Something like that. And I hate to say it because death always comes in threes. It does. But... I hope it's nobody else in the. In it, yeah. I don't. I don't want somebody else in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Can we get like a politician to die? <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> <We're> not, yeah. <laughs> um. And in this little, in this retrospective, we did we we kind of stayed away from his his conflicts with like Jack Kirby and Steve yeah. Ditko, and you know him suing Marvel about it was about ten years ago. Yeah. Little, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we gotta say we we can mention those things because it was part of his life. But it was, in all honesty, that stuff—it's business, right? As much as you want to love the characters, as much as you want to love the books, as much as you want to love the movies or whatever, it's still a business, right? And 
difference, creative differences are going to happen, especially between artists, right? I mean, I mean, th- that's some of the most <laughs> artists and multi-billion-dollar companies, right? You know, so I mean, we can we. I think a lot of people know about those disputes, and those that don't know, I mean, if you want to touch on it real quick, by all means, um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, when we get to it, I kind of do because you know we'll get to their collaborations, but yeah. So w- I I did a little bit of my own reading because I knew who Stanley. Everybody knows who Stanley right. is. If you're not even a hardcore hardcore comic, but wow, it's hard to say hardcore <laughs> comic book fan, you know who Stanley is. You've seen his cameos. You've seen him in every Marvel movie. You've seen him around anything that's related to Marvel. So you, anyway, everyone knows who he is. Right. Um, so I, I wanted to do a little bit more deeper dive. Yeah. So I, I, I started looking at the research, like I said, way back when it was like Atlas or before it was Atlas first. It was timely then. The Atlas. timely than Atlas. And he was talking about like in a book, I think he had written with somebody else um, that he used to be the person who would dip the pens and in the ink and hand them. Yeah. To I, to the artist, like I, that's his how he started. I do have that. Yeah, I do have this in my in my notes. But like, I began with really like he Stanley was born uh, Stanley Martin Lieber on December twenty eighth, nineteen twenty two, in Manhattan, New York, to Jewish immigrant parents from Romania. So looking at his date, like I didn't realize it when I did the research, but he was knocking on the door in ninety six. Yeah, really was. He was close, and um, he was influenced a lot by as a kid by Errol Flynn who he was the first person to play Robin Hood in a in the adventures of Robin Hood it was I th- I believe it's the first talkie Robin Hood movie but he was a movie usher nice so he's the golden age of cinema just wa- like sitting in the back just watching all these movies <laughs> which is you know think about like 1939 where you had like it's kind of called the best year of cinema where you had Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, stuff like that. Right. Also, right around, you know, like the First World War, Second World War? Second World War. Second World War. Second World War. <laughs> yeah. Which he actually went and fought in. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even before the war, he his first writing book, he would write obituaries and press releases for the National Tuberculosis Center hmm. in New York, growing up in the Bronx. And at, you know, as you mentioned, um, he became an assistant at, at then-known Tommy Comics, with the help of his cousin, Jen, who was married to the editor, Martin yeah. Goodman. Yep. Um, and I couldn't I couldn't find anything to, to corroborate this, and so I don't know. It, it, it almost sounds like we, an urban legend. We don't fact-check here. It's fine. Right, yeah. <laughs> like it, like, I mean, it's an interesting fact, but it almost kind of sounds like an urban legend. But um, according to the book Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, the day Stan Lee was hired was the day that Captain America number one rolled off the printing press. Really? Yeah. That's according to that book. Like, again, like, it's one of those things where I was just like, is this an urban legend? Or are you, like, trying to build up a legend that doesn't need built up anymore? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I didn't, I didn't read about that, you know, because I, I, my research, I'll be honest, was his Wikipedia page. It's 100%. <laughs> I like, mean, it's yeah. a good page to read. It has yeah, a lot of stuff on there about him. And they, it didn't mention anything about that. Now I do know it mentioned that he start like you said started off being assistant to the the writers right he or the artists and he would help hand yeah. them things um, and then he his first I think true gig was to write in like the fill text right wasn't that what it was yeah because uh, because what he would do um, because back then like it's not like today where the artist can live in California and the writer lives right. in in Boston where you can. I don't know, like email the script or... Oh, know, yeah, they were all pages. in the same room. Yeah, they're all... That's why the Marvel bullpen, Yeah, you know, 
quote unquote. You can't well, see my you can't see my hands. And and, um, and, and it, you have to know that you have to be able to date this by me telling you he had to dip an ink a, right, a pen exactly. in ink. Like yeah. they, that was still when you had to dip pens in ink. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um yeah, his first printed work was a text story called uh Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. Yes, yes. Which is just so just deeped into just it's amazing yeah (laughs) but like that's that when you said that that was when captain america one rolled off that was that's what i was thinking i was like i swore his point of his first projects that he worked on was actually filling in on captain america yeah it was captain america issue three so like we're talking like in the span of two months because i don't i don't know if captain america was a monthly at the time or even bi-monthly that's four months and and at this time wasn't dc like the premier like comic industry right then when when they when he was still here when he was still in you know um, timely wasn't that when DC's big heyday was out yeah because we I mean you had their Superman and Batman yeah. in back to back years yeah so, so as 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 around across the country people are just getting introduced to these giant characters from DC here's right. Stan Lee coming in on the base level of Marvel trying to build them up and now look where they've come today like that's just ridiculous yeah. to think about. And even in his even in his first story, he's like he's introducing things that are or ideas that are still known and still used today. Because mm-hmm. in that story, it's the first time Cap had ever used uh, his shield to ricochet off the yeah. wall. Well, that was his idea. Yeah, wasn't it? It was him and somebody else's idea to actually. They mentioned that it was something. It was actually their original idea. That's when it actually was like the first issue that he actually showed him throwing his shield. Yeah, because because the first couple of appearances of Captain America, he's like his shield is actual like like a knight's shield. Right. And and this is the first part where it's yeah, a circular, circular, yeah. Where, yeah. So, you know, on the back of that, you know, at age 19, 19 years old, he becomes the interim editor. Yeah. That's not Marvel. That that is crazy. To was me. it Marvel then or was it or timely? I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. timely comics. And like he stayed that for for much of the time until 1972 where he decided to take a step back. And I say much of the time because he went to the war. Yeah. He, he went to, he, he world war two. Yeah. And, and this is, this is part where I actually kind of read a little about too, as well is he went, I don't know if he didn't mention he got drafted or not. I couldn't find that either, but he, he definitely went to the war Yeah, regardless, you know, thank you for your service, sir, Stan. Um, appreciate everything for that. But, I found out he actually he actually became he had the title of entertainer because he actually like would actually do um, right entertainment for the troops right so yeah so what he did um, is that at first he was in the Signal Corps yeah which was they were trained to install telephones mm-hmm. and stuff like that but then he was they found out about his writing skills before the war and all that and then he was um, given a job title playwright yes that's what it was thank you and. Uh, they were only given to nine individuals. Yes, I read that. And uh, the other individuals th- that are that are well known would be uh, Charles Adams, who created the Adams Family, uh, Frank Capra, or Capra. I'm sorry, he, oh. he directed um, "It's a Wonderful Life." Yeah, and then uh, Theodore Geisel, Doctor Seuss. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, that's that is cra- fucking crazy. Yeah, that's nuts to me and like they he even said like all, like all the job was was like writing training materials right and writing the films well, the, but I, mention, I would imagine the propaganda films yeah, well yeah for sure but they do mention he actually wrote a comic as well when he was over there and they actually mentioned he wrote a comic type characters for things like that like the the, the pamphlets and the the, the, right. the uh, training materials he actually would draw like these comic looking characters as well i mean which which makes sense right 
So know. then when he came back from the war, um, is, is this about the time where he was about to give up? It's a little bit after because like when he came back, he did, that's when he met and married Joan. Yeah. Um, which is little, which is cr- their, their marriage is a little crazy to me at least. Huh. Marriages. <laughs> uh, I've been through one, but, uh, she signed her divorce papers to her from her first husband and then went into the next room to marry Stan, (laughs) (laughs) which is true love. Well, well, you know, and back then it was a different time, right? Like you didn't just date somebody. There was no, like you didn't just go out on dates for a long time. Um, This wasn't, that wasn't the time it was, you found somebody and if you liked them, you got married. Yeah. I mean, they got married on December 5th, 1947. And then their daughter, Joan, was born in 1950. Okay. Um, and this is, this is kind of the time where he started getting tired because the fifties, like we're talking like the, the comics code authority was just created. Yeah. And that was, you know, the whole book seduction of the innocent and Batman and Robin are gay and horror books are just, are, are feeding into the delinquency of teenagers. Right. And, and you have to think at this time too, comics weren't, popular with adults then no they weren't it was not an adult like it is today it, it wasn't adult um driven media it wasn't anything it wasn't made for adults it was essentially made for a, kids yeah it was a it was a, it was a kid's media it, right. and, and it was just meant to be consumed by kids so in the 50s like he's he's drawing or not drawing i'm sorry he's writing romance right. westerns because that's really like you all you could get away with because it was just so vanilla at the time right. because even Batman's fighting space aliens. <laughs> you know, he's not fighting the Joker anymore. Right. Um, so it wasn't until really the Justice League came along in uh, March of 1960. Yeah. And this this is where DC's killing Marvel. Yeah. Because DC they've they've reinvigorated Green Lantern. This is when Hal Jordan's introduced. This is when or around the time that you know Barry Allen's introduced. And Martin Goodman went to him and he's like, I want a superhero team. And this is like the legend where Joan kind of said like, Oh, why don't you just write what you, what you would like to read. Right. And he wanted to, he wanted to read about superheroes that have problems, that yeah. have foibles. They're yeah. not a hundred, like it's not Superman where nothing he's can perfect. hurt him. He's perfect. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was going to touch on a little bit. And that's what I was talking about when he got tired because there was this whole, I, I heard this story and kind of what you just mentioned where Joan comes in and says, why don't you write what you want to read? Yeah. And um, what I had heard actually is that he had written this story and we'll tell you what it is, Fitlands fans, if you don't know what it is already, but we'll <laughs> tell you what it is. But he had written about this family and he threw it away. Yeah. And Joan actually got it out of the trash and said, no, this is it. This right. is the one. And you're right. At the time, we didn't have superheroes with flaws. We had no. superheroes that were perfect or, you know, always just or always like anything like that. Right. And he wanted to talk about, he wanted to talk about like how they pay a rent. What happens if they get sick? Yeah. What happens like daily problems like that would ha- like, make a superhero relatable. Right. And he got, he got tired of the cookie cutter thing that had been happening at the time where like you, for instance, cause I, I just recently watched an episode cause it was on cable, the Adam West Batman show. Yeah. Like we look at it kind of like it's campy and you know cartoony, but that's what the comics were at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what, the only thing you can get away with. That, they were for kids. They were right. they were supposed to be fun, enjoyable, clean humor, like nothing nothing bad. Yeah, and and this is where we get into the the Jack Kirby thing. You know, he because he teamed with Jack Kirby mm-hmm. with Fantastic Four, and that's what we were talking about. They, yeah. <laughs> well, they kind of they kind of created the Marvel method 
where it was coined the Marvel method where you don't, you don't see this at all anymore Mm -mm. is that what he would do is he would mail the artist, the synopsis, the artist would then draw it out and then he would put in the dialogue. Right. So which is think about that. Think about that process. Like, so you potentially you're giving an artist free will to take what you want the story to be about. Yeah. Draw it out. And then he comes in with the dialogue. Right. Like that is crazy to think about. Because usually you don't, you want to have dialogue first. You want to know every conversation you know, so right. you could draw all the images to to show what's happening on that 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 block. Yeah, because you don't know like how big you want the dialogue boxes right, to be. Exactly. Or, you know. And and it was so successful with Kirby that it from what I read, it went on to Ditko and it went on to Bill Everett, who helped who created um Daredevil with him. Yeah. And it went, and that's what it was in like the sixties and seventies, really. Right. So, so for those of you who didn't know who we were talking about, we talked about the Fantastic Four. That was like his first. That was the first big. That was the first big Marvel like. Boom. Here, look at our look at our heroes that are flawed and have right. problems and have real problems. Yeah, you've, you've got you've got the thing who, while powerful, doesn't like the way yeah he looks. Yeah, I mean he's a giant rock. Right? How would you feel? Yeah, you, <laughs> you've got the cocky, arrogant, um, Johnny Storm, and you've got Reed who. I think the best. I think one of the best things about Reed is just how guilty he feels about. Right. Well, and and they they kind of show that by he's always trying to fix it. He's so right. smart. Like Reed Richards is one of the most intelligent beings in the Marvel universe. Right. And he has these great powers. They all do. But his whole like his whole thing is that he like I fucked up my best right. friend. I me- I messed everybody up. Right. And now we have to deal with this every day. Yeah. And and then that was so successful that it led to the Hulk. Yes. And, you know, the Hulk's issue of, like, he's got, it's this Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Where he's got this monster inside of him that he hates, doesn't want to let out. And when it is out, it does cause destruction it, it, and chaos. Right. It's uncontrollable. It's, like, all these things that you would not really think about a hero. You think of a hero as being always in control, always able to do what he needs to do to get the job done. Where mm-hmm. the Hulk is a monster, so to speak. Right. I mean, it's it's very... It's very Hulk smash. It obviously. is. It is very Hulk smash. Um, so we've touched on Fantastic Four. We've touched on Daredevil. We've touched on the Hulk. Let's, let's keep going on the characters that Stan Lee helped create. Yeah, that's what I was going to do is I think I'm trying to remember because um, after that was, I think Iron Man was after that. Oh, well, yeah. If you want to talk about a character we'll flaws, talk about Iron Man. Holy right. shit. Yeah. Like he's an alcoholic. He has depression. He's like obsessed with women and money and all these things, even though he's this genius, even though he's and, like this super really good guy. He has all of these issues. And, yeah, and and the the very first issue that he had really was the the piece of shrapnel. Yeah, because because back in sixty, I'm on a ballpark sixty three, sixty four when Iron Man was created, let's say, and we don't have you know we don't have the medical technology that we have now. Mm-mm. Not even close. So he's got he has to hold he has to have this metal sheet over his chest to keep this piece of shrapnel from touching his heart like right. this this sheet is a magnet essentially <laughs> which is awesome i mean like i mean okay so i'm i am a iron man like lover I'll, I'll give you that right now out the gate i think he's the best superhero but that's just me so like <laughs> but i think one reason i do love him and i do think he's so great is because he is so relatable i mean how many I mean, people like have issues like alcoholism I'm, or you know things like that? 
I'm going to point to one to one issue where I think you guys obviously have in common. It's not alcoholism, um, but you have a pacemaker. Yeah, I do. So that's it helps another. me keep my heart going. Right. Same. Yeah. Same. Just like him, he has to have technology to keep his to keep his um, heart going. Um, one one thing I did want to talk about a little bit too is you mentioned like his first like um, comic, right? Yeah. So one thing I thought I heard about way back when was. That his very first superhero was the Destroyer. I mean, that's that I didn't read, but I mean, that's entirely possible. Um, so like, his first superhero co creation was the Destroyer, but in Mystic Comics. Um, this was in August 1941. Yeah, so he's, I mean, it's shortly after he's so. I didn't know if you knew anything about the Destroyer because that's um, something I've never, I never what, heard of, except for the one that's like in the. Uh, Asgardian basement. The one series that I read about the Destroyer of the Destroyer was um, I want to say about seven or eight years ago, maybe even longer, uh, Robert Kirkman did a miniseries of the Destroyer. Really? And he's just old man killing things. (laughs) Old Um, man killing things. In a Robert Robert Kirkman way. Right. I mean, they they updated it to as if he was like living in, in... modern times really and like obviously like he's not you know obviously he's not a young man um so the destroyer i will admit that i don't know very much about okay i don't think many people do right i just a question i had because um i I, I, want to go through all of his characters right and i think so you start at the beginning but then like you said we talked about the fantastic four the hulk um iron man daredevil um he created the x-men yes yeah like <laughs> the X Men. Like, if you want to talk about flawed characters that you can relate to, how about teenagers? I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> teenagers with powers that they don't understand. Well, that, the, the powers they don't understand, they're being persecuted. They're always being hunted. They're always being like called freaks, like all right. this stuff. Like, he gave us such good characters that weren't just heroes. Like, yeah. we, we don't, we'd we don't only fall into that stagnant, you know, genre of heroes. I think I I mean I think he I don't I don't want to say anti-hero but like he he discovered just I think he was a little bit before his time in that. I think he was. Area. I I I, um, I wouldn't say anti-hero just no, because I wouldn't say anti-hero either. Because these are still heroes, right? right. These are just realistic heroes. Exactly. Like, That's the much better phrase than anti-hero. <laughs> like so um what was that movie with Will Smith um where he's a superhero? Hancock. Hancock. Like he was Hancock before Hancock right. was like around. And yeah. And I mean, before, uh, I don't want people to think that we're forgetting about, well, I think we're just saving him for last, uh, really, oh, is yeah. um, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Which is his just his greatest. Uh, me personally, and I, and I will say, <laughs> I am very, very biased, but I think Spider-Man is his greatest creation. I mean, he's also done Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, yes. He's also created Thor. Should have said Doctor Strange and Thor before Spider-Man. Doctor Strange, Thor, Ant-Man. He did do Ant-Man. Giant-Man, Wasp. Yeah. So, like... All of these people. All, all of the the Avengers. Literally. The Avengers, yeah. Like, literally the Avengers. Black Panther. He did Black Panther. Uh, he did the Falcon. You know, which I... Um, yeah, like, you know, he was... Black Panther, the first African superhero. Right. Falcon's the first African-American superhero. And, you know, and... I, I think he has touched on it before too. Um, is that the X Men were kind of his 
allegory for the for the civil rights movement. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, time. absolutely. So, I mean, you, you think about all the direct correlations between the two, right? They're they're a minority of people. They're being persecuted against. They're trying to be put in camps or put in like separate groups from the normal people. Right. Like, absolutely. Like that was exactly what he was doing to yeah. show the obsceneness of it. Like the yeah, and, and the well, the absurdity of it. Really, that's, that's what I, mean. just, I don't yeah. think I'm mean obscene. No, I mean, I mean, there are a lot of things at the time that were obscene, right? Um, but you know, like. I just wanted to touch on Spider-Man. Oh, no. I only because, well, like, I, oh. I think Spider-Man is probably one of the most popular. Oh, without a doubt. Like, I mean, Spider-Man is the, is the flagship yeah. of Marvel. And I would think, like, again, you're looking at a teenager at the, at the start. He's a teenager. He's in high school. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's 16 when he gets bit by that spider. Right. And, you know, I... I... Got. I mean, I I attached myself to Spider Man because of just the glasses, the the brown hair that has now turned black, um, for me at least. And then like I'm all. I mean, I'll admit that I got bullied when in grade school and, and a little bit in high school. Yeah, absolutely. So like that just latched well, it hit, on to me yeah, real it's quick. Nail on the head for a lot of kids. A lot. Of, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and we're getting into a time now as he's going through creating all these characters, right? you slowly see the nation diverge from this kid cultured comic books to adults are now maybe it's because yeah. the kids grew up. Yeah. You know I, mean, what I, mean? I think a lot of it is the kids have grown up because especially when it, when it kind of hit peak in the nineties. Right. Is because the, there's seven. I mean, you kids. start in the forties. Yeah. Right. With his comics. And then you get into like the sixties and the seventies yeah, with like his major right, comics. Right. And yeah. these kids are now in the eighties, nineties are, teenagers young adults yeah you know you got kids who are in the 70s or you know in the late 80s early 90s you know they're they're late 20s early right. 30s and like these are what they grew up with and then you start to see this this flip of culture towards comics it's not just for kids anymore it's for everybody yeah and he got to write for everybody now it wasn't just right. you know trying to appease children's boredom yeah and and i think he, you know, he he gets credit for the for the civil rights movement with the X Men, but uh -huh. like one thing that I don't think he gets a lot of credit for is how like he he um, defied the Comics Code Authority in the seventies mm -hmm. with a Spider Man story where Harry Osborn does drugs. Yeah, I mean, it was like a it was a no stand up to drugs kind of thing. Or, right. You know, he wanted to talk about the I've effects seen that of cover. drugs. It's creepy. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted to talk about the effects of drugs and and on our. In our society at the time, because you know you got, you know you got LSD, you got. I don't think crack was around at the time. In the seventies, no, it was crack in the eighties. I don't know. Yeah, you're, anyway. you're looking at psychedelic drugs. Yeah, we're looking, looking at, at yeah. intergen intravenous drugs. We're looking at pot. You're looking at pot. You're looking at a rise of HIV, like due to drug use, like all these bad things because of drugs. And he went out and made. And yeah. a comic about drugs, right? And and it was the first. It was the first book that uh, it's Amazing Spider-Man ninety six through ninety eight, and they were the first issues without the Comics Code Authority stamp of approval. Really, and that kind of led to the end of the Comics Code that because no one uses that now. Right. Well, and Stan was like, "Fuck that." It's kind of yeah, like you kind of look at it, it's laughable now. Right. I agree. But, I mean, but you have like all of these characters that get into bad situations. Like, it's not just them saving people anymore. Like, right. Like, and, I mean, think about, like, Daredevil. Like, all the crap he went through, you know? I mean, was he was he the first boy. blind superhero? 
I would imagine so, yeah. Because I mean, I can't really think of another. I can't blind think of anyone. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, he's not. I guess he's not truly blind. I guess, but he is blind. Yeah. But whatever. And uh, yeah, like um, I don't think he was I'm trying to think now because I lost my train of thought. I had a thought, Sorry. and now I'm thinking. Sorry. No, now I'm thinking. Was he the first blind? Swimmer? But like, but yeah, I don't think he gets a lot of uh, credit because that was that was just step one of dismantling the Comics Code Authority. Yeah. And I don't, you know. Well, that just shows like he was his own man. Like he did what he right. wanted to do. He was like, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm imagining just like mid, mid fifties Stanley just like flipping the bird over <laughs> and over. Like fuck but all y'all. Like, I'm doing what I want. Continually to call, calling them true believers. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, gosh, he was an icon. He was a legend. Like we would not have what we have today. In Marvel, at least, who would not have it without Stanley? No, yeah, and you know they were right to name him uh, Chairman Emeritus in the early nineties, right? I and mean, he's received so many awards, so he's many a, awards. Yeah, like I don't think I can name all of them. Right, I, I think, I think, but like the most prestigious one was um, uh, W. Uh, George W. <laughs> um, in two thousand eight, uh, awarded him the National Medal of Arts. And, yeah, which and I don't, it, I didn't know was a thing. I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean. They haven't, I did my research on it and they haven't, and this is the only political thing I'll say, they haven't given it since 2016 because guess who's in the White House now? <laughs> Someone um, who doesn't read? Right. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it's essentially like um, how they do like the president's honors and right. uh, or the, the Kennedy Center honors is what I'm trying to think yeah. of. It's, it's because that's kind of given to like entertainers more of like actors and musicians, you know, and stuff like that this is the this is the writer's version right, of that right you know what's crazy is he's like in two hall of fames too yeah he's I mean, that's not because he's in the um the comic book association hall of fame right. which is what it's called it's called uh will the will eisner award the will the will yeah and then he's actually in jack kirby hall of fame which is so funny because jack how kirby much they, were to, like how much they were butted heads together yeah, they how did. much they disputed so let's touch on that like so we, we've already mentioned he's kind of his own man right yeah. he's gonna do what he wants to do no matter what right so i feel like that's a good way to get into kind of the, some of the falling outs he had through his career with some of the other artists or, yeah. or writers it, yeah and it, and it does go back to the, the marvel method that we that we talked about too was where um they had a hard time distinguishing who gets credit for what really mm -hmm. between and mainly him and Kirby. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, you know, again, like I, I didn't really do my research on, on this aspect a whole lot because, so I don't know if it was a company thing. It was a Stanley thing. Um, at that time, because he wasn't chairman at the time. Right. Um, he was just like the head editor. Um, so I don't know if it was just against Stan and Stan and Jack or was it like Jack and the company? Because like you look back on it and Jack definitely should have gotten more credit than, than he got at the time. Right. Which his family has, de has rightfully fought for. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, and that, 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 that's unfortunately the sad part of the business, right? Is because when you're doing it, you're just thinking, Oh, we want to get this product out. We, yeah. we want to do this together. Mm -hmm. And then later when it's going so well, then the problem comes up with, well, right. you didn't give me credit. About yeah, that. because unfortunately with companies with Marvel and DC at the time, like you're creating these things for the company and you're not creating them right. for yourself. Well, hell, I read this about Stan Lee. One of his biggest regrets was using the pen name Stan Lee. He's out there saying, 
I'm, I'm, I'm young. I just made out my first book and, I'm, and I use a fake name. Right. No one's going to know who I am. Yeah. Cause, Stan, cause yeah. Cause uh, well, I mean, he, he, he got his, he got his name legally changed, but the time, he did. That, yeah, was that, his, time that was, was not his, that, that was his, that was his, was it a pen name or pseudonym? pseudonym? Yeah. That's what he used. And he, he's, he's like said like, man, why did I do that? Right. But then, yeah, he did legally change the name eventually. But like that was like at the time he was like, no one's gonna know who no I am. Right? Exactly. No one's gonna believe me. Like if I tell him <laughs> that was me, <laughs> which yeah, I mean, true. Because you want to get credit. You're like you do, even though you're doing this for the company. It's your baby. It's your dream. It's your your work, and you want to get credit for it as as you should. Yeah. So and, I can understand where Kirby comes and, from and not gain a lot of credit for a lot of the earlier work and stuff like that. And, yeah, and and I think uh, part of the reason too that I didn't want to do the research too much into that is that I mean we can do we can do a whole episode or another side episode about comic book rights oh, and absolutely. stuff like that and, yeah. and the arguments because I think that the not to the extent of his falling out with Kirby, but I think that was part of the reason that Ditko kind of left too. Yeah. Um. And I and I'm not sure about Everett because Ditko also helped create. He was the artist in Doctor Strange as well. Right. And I think it might also. And this is just me, maybe analyzing as a psychologist would, even though I'm not. <laughs> but you got to think Stanley built himself up from the ground floor. Yeah, he I mean, was a self-made man. Literally, made it, filling up ink and inkwells to right. the editor. Right. So you really, so you really think he's going to take any crap from anybody? No. Like and, I, and he shouldn't, right? No. But that that could lead to that lot of that disagreement. Is Stanley's like, I am, I'm it. I'm the man. I made exactly. myself who I am. I'm not going to listen to you, like kind of thing. And that could definitely lead to a lot of you know shortcomings and falling outs and arguments and, and whatnot. whatnot. Right, exactly. And I and I can see it. You know, you know, as I said, like we could do we could do whole, oh, whole side episodes of like yeah. the Comics Code Authority and. uh creator creator rights and these yeah so let's go let's go into the 90s right so marvel kind of turned the table on dc in like the 70s right yeah 70s and 80s 70s 80s marvel kind of flipped the tables dc was so popular marvel came out of nowhere and kind of just had these relatable characters that everyone loved everyone was reading flipped the culture and then we get into the 90s where marvel had to file for bankruptcy marvel did a lot they, they don't necessarily like I don't, Stanley, I, don't, I believe, had stepped down at the time. Yeah, but Marvel had did a bunch of awful, awful business moves. Yeah, and it wasn't just like it wasn't just the whole variant thing. It was like buying Toy Biz and trying to set up their own um, distribution company that just failed. Right, right off the They're, bat, they were getting too big for the bridges. They were. Yeah, and that, and that happens when you see a bunch of success. You think it's going to keep lasting. It's going to keep, yeah. And, and then you're going to make you try to like venture out into things you probably shouldn't get ahead of yourself, and then yeah, and shit they, hits the fan. Yeah, and they um they filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, in ninety three, I believe. Well, and th- and that's that's how we got um Stanley selling off rights to different characters, right? Right. That is that 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 was that was Marvel trying to um trying to get their heads above water, right? Really? So they sold off Spider-Man, right? Uh, they sold off the Fantastic Four. Yeah. they um, To where, like, I mean, they sold it off to Spider-Man off to Sony, and Sony still has the rights. Yeah. Um, that was when, yeah, I mean, that was when Fantastic Four went to Fox, X-Men went to Fox. Uh-huh. Daredevil was at Fox for a while. For whatever reason, I think it's just happenstance that they just held on to Iron Man and Captain America. Yeah. Because I don't think they were... They're definitely not what they are now at the time. Yeah, I think they. I think they felt that they sold off their highest 
yeah, value they definitely property. Their, yeah, exactly. Because um, X Men, it was the franchise of the nineties. Oh, yeah, like the cartoon and, was amazing, right? And then you had, still had Spider Man too. Yeah. So yeah, you had Spider Man cartoons, X Men cartoons, all that stuff coming in the nineties. Um, so yeah, they went bankrupt. They sold off a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and then we start getting the the Marvel films. We did. So um, the first was was Spider Man. Not the first no, Marvel film. I mean, it, technically, you probably want to start with Blade. I guess. Well, true. I don't think um, I always forget that Blade's Marvel. Yeah, but uh, the first X Men movie came before Spider Man. Did it? Okay. So because X Men was two thousand, um, and then Spider Man was two thousand two, and then I think just all of the success of the X Men franchise. Fantastic Four. The first Fantastic Four movie is just it's it's there. Yeah, but. Um, that movie's cursed. The the three Raimi movies. This is cursed. Yeah, this is cursed. Uh, the three Raimi movies, really, I think, is what made Marvel look at look at their properties and go, "We can do that." Yeah. So, and here's a funny fact that I knew: <laughs> Raimi did not want Stanley to do a cameo. Yeah. Which how how what what would go in through his mind? I don't know. I I think I, I know he said he regretted it, but that cameo is the first Stanley cameo, right. I believe. That set the precedence for like does. Yeah. all these cameos that we love because, in all these MCU movies. Yeah, because then you had, uh, I can't remember his cameo in the first Fantastic Four movie, but uh, I think in the second one, maybe it was both movies, he's their mailman. Yeah. Um, and then that, you know, that leads into, you know, him him being mistaken for Hugh Hefner. Right, that was amazing. Yeah. There's so many. Like, we could go through like the guy on the bus for Doctor Strange. Yeah. You know, he's... He's the uh, the drunk, the, the World War II veteran and... Um, Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, um, all this stuff. I mean, like, even, yeah, and, and he still popped up in, in non-Marvel movies uh, where in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1, he's like this librarian and Lizard and Spider-Man are fighting by him. And he's, he's just, just got like, headphones and yeah. just keep on, keeps on trucking. Um, <laughs> and um, I have, I did read that um, he did film his cameo for Avengers 4. Yes, but I don't know about Spider-Man: Far From Home. I'm going to assume Captain Marvel. He's in Captain Marvel. Um, yeah, I think I haven't I think heard what about, I heard was the last one is Avengers. 4. Is Avengers Four yeah. okay? Because I know that Far From Home is done filming, which is crazy. Because so. if you hear about, like, he just died last week, right? And um, mm-hmm. one of his friends came to, like, I think it was the director, maybe someone came over, and was, or maybe it might be his agent said that he was still willing, even at 96, almost yeah. 96, to continue to, if he could, if he could, yeah. in good health, do all these camps. It was one of his favorite things. I mean, there's a video out on the internet um, after he passed of him sitting there talking about his fans and how much he loved the fans. Right. Um, one, our buddy Andy has a picture with Stanley in a giant, Dragon Con, where they did a giant outdoor Marvel um, cosplay yeah. picture, and he's there with the yeah. fans. Like, he You're, loved the characters I, and the fans. He was just so passionate I about think, them. Yeah, I mean, I think in any in any entertainment business, you're nothing without the fans. Oh, absolutely. Like, yep. Sorry, but if you don't sell your, if you don't have fans of your properties, no one's going to buy no them, and gonna you're not going to be successful. Period. Um. So i I do have one Stanley story of my own that, like, part of me is just slightly embarrassed about but i'm gonna i'm gonna tell it anyway Uh um i was in chicago and he was at he was at a convention in chicago and (laughs) early 20s me drank a lot (laughs) not gonna lie i'll just 
throw that out there. Sometimes early 30s me drinks a lot. Yeah, I'll drink a lot. Um, however, uh, hotel bar and like I'm not uh, I'm like I'm not like just I'm sloppy drunk, but right. like I got I'm a little buzz. And he was walking with his like I don't know, entourage, bodyguards, whatever you want, whatever you have. And like early 20s, me is just like, whoa, Stan Lee. And I just got this like wave of acknowledgement and like and a point. And I'm just like, that just made my night. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, I'm drunk, I'm done drinking, but that made my night. Um, so that's my one dumb Stan Lee story. That's all. I mean, I, I never met, I never got to meet him. That's as close as I ever got. You know, and I <laughs> like, I would have loved to at some point go meet him. I mean, we've on this show, we've talked about, we got to see him soon because we knew this might right. be coming, unfortunately, you know, but. I am I am sad. I'm really heartbroken that I never got to meet the man who created so many characters, including Iron Man, who's like my all time favorite. It, yeah, it was it was one that if I ever the other closest I came to was like the next day, and I had a copy like a Spider Man book that I was I wanted I wanted him to sign. Yeah, but his autograph was eighty or hundred dollars, and it's just. Again, early twenties, me was just like oh, that's man, a lot that's of money. Way too that's a lot of money. I mean, it is for, a lot of money, but it's Stanley. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and and I had that thought, but at the same time, too, it was a lot of money for me at the time. Oh, absolutely. Where I'm, I uh, trying to buy a house and saving up for a wedding, I could just couldn't justify it. Oh, I know. I'm not saying like not trying to rag on. Oh you no, for no, no, it, no, yeah. But you're an idiot. But um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I am because that marriage has failed. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, that, that's one of those things. You know, I, I just, I'm always going to look back. You know, they say to live, don't live with regrets, but I think that's an okay regret because, man, it's it's so hard to. Yeah, I would just have loved to meet him. You know, I have an, I have a copy of Demon in the Bot, a Demon in the Bottle. Yeah, and I would have loved to have him sign that. If if I ever had the guts to get it out of its plastic sleeve and out of, out of a secret vault that I have. No, I really don't have a secret vault, but it is hidden. Um, <laughs> my amazing fantasy, I would have just oh, geez. had him sign it and then immediately sold it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You would keep that. You'd be buried with it. I'm t- yeah, probably because I'm going to be buried with it as it is. Um, so I think that's, I mean, that's, that's all we've got for Stan Lee. I mean, <laughs> It, it just, it, it fascinates me that even before he created the Fantastic Four, this guy lived a life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're looking at like, you know, a guy who got, he got a break in the beginning, right? Because he did, yeah. He happened to know. Sometimes it's he, not what you know, it's who you know. He happened to know somebody there. Right. But he didn't, it's not like he just got brought in and was amazing right from the start. Right from the start. He had to work his way up. He had to build, you know, trust. He had to, you know, work with writers, artists to understand the mm-hmm. whole process. And then he he finally got to tell his story. And once he got to tell his story, it was everything everybody needed. It was yeah. the comics that people needed to read. You know, and I'm not trying to bash DC at all. No, DC no. is a great company as well. You know, and Batman's had flaws over the years now. Superman, they kind of give him flaws over the years as well. But Stan Lee started that. Yeah, Stan Lee started the whole ideal of superheroes are people too, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to pay rent, and they're going to have to get gas and get groceries, and they're going to have marriage failures. They're going to have you know keep their secret uh, identities away from their aunts, right? They'll have to have addictions. They're going to have yeah. maybe social issues, like whatever. He brought them all in, and that gave 
that gave comics the push they needed to actually be relevant mm-hmm. again. Putting social commentary into comics was the best yeah. step. And that was and, one, and and that was another thing he used to do. He used to do on like well, I forget the page is called in the comics, but he would like write to the fans. That was the um it's the he called it like Stan's soapbox. Yeah, it was Stan's soapbox. And he would literally answer questions from fans. Yeah. Like that wrote in to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just we just read one the and other each, night that was written back to him by um what's his face? Um shoot. <laughs> oh my god, Andy sent us the picture. And it was uh, it was like a it was the director now. Kevin Smith. No, 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 not Kevin Smith. It was um shoot. <laughs> Andy, send us your wisdom. Um <laughs> I, yeah, I always kind of found it funny too that like each letter page, like he gave like a different creative name for each character. So like it, like it wasn't just your standard like here's a here's your bullshit letter page friends <laughs> right um like he had this creative name for for like Spider Man um fan page the Fantastic Four fan page yeah so yeah I, I think that just it showed how much he he knew what was going on it wasn't right. just a job it wasn't just something else for him it was a real it was a real deal like it was actually like a a passion and he shared it with his fans and I think fans reciprocated it, you know, a hundred percent. And that's, a, I think that's, you can't beat that. Right. And I want to say it's the guy who created game of Thrones. Uh, that wrote game of Thrones. I mean, there's Benioff. No, the, the right, the, the actual book. Oh, George R. R. Martin. Yeah. I want to say it was George R. R. Martin oh. that wrote into him. Oh, and that's actually, what you're right. You're right. It was George R. R. Martin because uh, you're you're 100 right. It was George R. R. Martin, and uh, he was talking about how there was just like f- factual inaccuracies in the book, and Stanley's just like, "Well, sure." <laughs> like, well, no, but it was, it was it like was, it was because like something happened to the character like before got hurt really severely or dead, and all of a sudden he's back, and he was all upset because you didn't you didn't write about how he came back. And then Stanley calls George R. R. Martin Georgie, like Georgie, yeah, <laughs> okay, just, Georgie. Oh, <laughs> like way to just tilt. Which oh, is that's just so amazing, though. Really, like, that's, really funny. Like that's Stanley. That's who he was. Um, yeah, it was really, really funny to me. Uh, shoot, now I can't find it either. What that that post you're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, know I, we, I apologize. We, we have sh- so many texting threads between all of us. <laughs> I know we shared it, and you know, it's just one of those things where I was like, "Man, I that was so funny. I want to talk about it, but I really should have probably pulled it up before we started recording." Oh, here it is. I got it. Yeah, I've, all right. We found it right at the same time. All right, so I'm just gonna read this to you guys, and it's 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 a back page of where the the fans get to write in to to. You know, to stand. And do, do you want me to do Stan's response? <laughs> you know, so I'll, I'll give a synopsis real quick. You know, he's talking about you know something how someone was you know paralyzed, and now all of a sudden he's bringing back in full control of everything, and not nothing's like nothing's explained, and you know, some all these factual things that George R. R. Martin gives his address as well in New Jersey. Um, and then Stan Lee just pretty much says, wow, are our faces red? You want the truth, Georgie? <laughs> we just plain forgot. <laughs> oh, man. It, yeah. It, it, like reading George R. R. Martin's letter, too, is just like, it's very just like, 
message boardy bullshit. It, it, it was it was as much as I like. It George was R. R. Reddit Martin. before Reddit exists. Yeah, really. Like is what it comes across as. It was it really like, does. It comes across as a troll sitting on the keyboard somewhere. Yeah. Like say this. Yeah. Mom, bathroom. Right. Bathroom. All these things. And you know, I I think that's just one of the many reasons Stan's going to be missed and loved. You know, and. And I'm going to miss his cameos. Like, yeah, seeing those. Too. Although the internet has come up with a great idea. And I and I'm, I 100% support this idea. What's that? Because if you think about it, Deadpool is the only character that will know Stanley is dead. Yeah. Right? Because right. he is, He's, he knows. He has that fourth wall barrier. Right. That Deadpool in suit with sunglasses or glasses fake wig gray hair and mustache does all the cameos going forward. That'd be good. I think that would be golden. I I, I fully support this, this idea. That would be real good. Um, I don't think it'll, it'll harsh or, 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 or taint the memory of Stanley. I think it would only add to it. Yeah. The, the other thing I heard, which I kind of want to happen because they're not doing, they're doing it definitely out of, um, out of respect. Uh, but I, I believe it was Chris Hemsworth had the idea of trying to get all of the the actors mm-hmm. um, because because they're they're they had a private and then they're they're gonna have a little bit more of a public showing for him. Um, all of the Marvel actors to come in costume. I think that's perfect. I think that'd be amazing to have the characters themselves pay respect right. to the the creator. Right. Absolutely. I think that'd be amazing. Well. You know, Tim, I appreciate you you sharing your wealth of knowledge. I know you're you're one of our resident comic, you know, historians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I there are a few things that I did not know, you know, especially about his his um what he did in the service. Right. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us, you know, and I, and we wanted to do this episode just to give a for those of you that might not know who Stan was fully and to pay tribute to a man that gave everybody so much happiness, joy, and, and even, you know, sometimes a, a outlet you right. know, to deal with stress and problems because these characters had the same problems you may have had in your life. And I really appreciate you, Stan. I wish I would have met you. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's one of the few people that I can say, and, and not even exaggerating, like he is, he has touched countless people. Yeah. So like in a very like Walt Disney ish way. Oh, absolutely. And to give you a perspective, I got emotional about him dying and there's only one other act or entertainer that I got emotional about. And that was Robin Williams. So the fact that like I can hold Stanley and Robin Williams on the same right. pedestal yeah. is, is just a testament to, to him as were, a person. Yeah. They were both innovator, innovators in their own way. Absolutely. So, um, Hopefully you've enjoyed our, our little retrospective with just and little conversation between just Sweeney and I. Um, we were very close to just making this an NPR special and just drinking coffee and talking about Shvetti balls. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, hopefully uh, we'll be our schedules will open up more um, and we will get back to a more regular basis mm-hmm. with, with the four of us. Absolutely. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the Hateful Geeks. This is Sweeney. And this is Tim. And Excelsior. Ha That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, it though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. 